This episode is sponsored by JDAQA Software Testing, your scalable solution for manual, automated, security, and performance testing. Check us out at JDAQA.com. And with that, let's get on with the show. This is the first customer hosted by Jay Agnew. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the First Customer Podcast. My name is Jay Agner. Today, I'm lucky enough to be joined by Ashri Cohen, who is a fractional CTO and co-founder of a site called LeafPage up in Montreal, America's hat, as we like to say down here. How are you doing, Ashri? I'm doing fantastic. And yourself? I'm great. I'm great. You were gracious enough to give me a few minutes. I got stuck in traffic in the wonderful Philadelphia, but we're here now. So tell me, my friend, where did you grow up and did that have an impact on you being an entrepreneur later in life? Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yes, I w- it was I yeah, I was born in Israel. I moved to Canada and and unfortunately experienced a lot of racism and whatnot as one would expect. It's sad that we one would have to expect that actually, but one would expect. And that pushed me to constantly think about how to be independent from a very young age. How to be independent, how to build my own thing, how to start my own business, how to do it all. I had my first business at 13, then again at 16. Then again at 25, and again now, you know, when I turned 38, I went off on my own again after 10 non-blissful years working working for the man, so to speak. What were some of those earlier businesses as a teenager? What did you start around with? Oh my. Okay. So back then, downloading copies of games, music, and whatnot, you could freely do that. You know, Napster, all of that. But many people still didn't have those kinds of computers, right, that were able to do that. So I created a whole order form, everything, put it in every locker in my, in my high school. And I said, I'm like, Hey, I can get you any game you want. $20 a pop. I can get you any CD you want for any music, $10 a pop. What do you want? Right. And they would literally just fill it up and dump it in my locker. Right. I would go prepared. I would find them, exchange the money. I made thousands of dollars cash for a 16 year old. Holy moly. That was oh, yeah. fun. Yeah. You know, that's that was, the that real entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. Um, so as you got older, it sounds like you did ran a couple other businesses. What was the one in your twenties? In my twenties, I launched my own custom development shop. I'd hired developers, built out software. I had a knack for finding solutions for people. You would come with me to a business problem with a business problem. I would spit out the entire solution within a few minutes. It really did not take me very long. So I found a knack for it. And I ran that successfully for about six, five, six years, right? The financial crash killed me, right? That's it. Like, oh, all my contracts got pulled. But being the, being a new entrepreneur, I did the classic mistake of not looking into my cash flow. And so I made about $2 million. I was 25, between 25 and 23 and 28. I made that much. And I asked and I overinvested in different startups that I was trying to launch all at the same time, doing it all by myself. You learn very quickly to rely on people, but classic mistakes of the first time entrepreneur. Find any entrepreneur out there who's successful now, they'll tell you that I messed up this way. Right. And so I did that and... I did the sales, I did the development, I did the project management, the design, all of it with a small team of employees. And it was very sad when I had to let them all go. It was very sad. But 
you said something interesting though. Talk to me about cash flow. What did you learn about cash flow as a business owner during that time? It's more important than your mother. I mean, your mother's important. We love our mother. Cash flow is more important. It doesn't matter matter whether you have an invoice that's that's due in you know net sixty, and it's fifty, a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars. It matters what you have in your bank account right now in order to pay people. And that also made me a little skittish because now I, I was dependent on, on my, my employees were dependent on me to pay them, right? Suppliers and vendors and all of them, then they can wait. The employees, they can't wait. This is, they pay their mortgage, they pay their rent and so on and so forth. And I told myself that after my, my, after I was closing the business, right? My next business would be entirely run with contractors. I would pay them well. I would get people at the top of their game, that's fine. I'd rather make less money, less profit, but more impactful work. And because I didn't want that problem to be, to, to happen again, but mm -hmm. you know, who knows if I'm successful and money's coming in and cash flow is not an issue. Okay. It's not a problem, but consulting is a feast or famine, right? Yes, it is. There's nothing it, in between. There's nothing in between. And you're typically your only salesman, right? Other than your previous clients that you did well for. Those are your other set of salesmen as a consultant, but. Yes, I was the salesman. I was the ops. I was the account manager. I was the technical lead. I was everything. And I still am right now, everything. So you went back in to the corporate world, you know, I don't know if, how much we need to dig into that, but what I'm more curious about is the end of that and you coming back into the consulting world. What was that piece of it? So. I like to say that behind every entrepreneur is a pissed off employee, right? Like deep inside the entrepreneur is just an angry employee. They used to be an employee. Nobody listened to them. Nobody cared, uh, even though they wanted to do the best because most businesses, they don't, they're not, you know, they're successful despite the owners, despite the executives. That's the reality, right? They hit, kick, they hit something on the, the they found a niche. And they, and they went with it. And so after a frustrating 10 years in the corporate world, right? Working with startups, working with corporates, I identified a niche. I identified a need for a CTO who is temporary, who is there for a short period of time because, and I will take this to the grave and this is the hill that I will die on. Most companies don't need a full-time CTO, just like they don't need a full-time CFO, just like they don't need a full-time legal department or full-time legal in their organization. You're not big enough for that. You're just, you're just not. And so I am 100% sure that we can lead technology on a part-time basis. And I've proven that over and over again. None of my clients hired full-time CTOs. How do you keep the quality up as the technical lead, I mean, I'm a QA guy, I run a QA agency, so obviously it's a very biased question, but how is quality kind of at the forefront, right? Because, I mean, if you're going in as a fractional CTO and not instilling processes that promote quality and promote good products and promote all these things, nobody's going to hire you, they're not going to rehire you, they're not going to refer you anywhere. So how are you kind of making sure that these are high quality products that come out the end of the funnel? So... The quality of the product is very much dependent on the, on, on what the product is on product management. There's many other factors than the code itself, right? Of course. However, 
from an architectural point of view, it's easy enough to put, to set up and whatnot, but the quality of the code via automated testing. So I train and I teach everyone how to write proper tests. That's just a small part of the job, but an absolutely required part of the job, right? To do automated testing. And the, and the reality is that a developer, a good developer in any company that has a mature and, uh, engineering culture will write 10 times more test code than actual code that produces whatever value. That's the reality. And so I want to automate the whole thing and what can't be automated goes to QA people right yep. away, right? There's some things that can't be automated. Uh, deep customizations and that you just can't catch every edge case. You need humans to catch the edge cases for you. And then you need to write tests to avoid them from ever happening again. But you definitely don't need to hire a full-time QA person. Hiring a QA, uh, an outsourcing QA company to the QA regularly is fine. It's a, it's a much better use of your time and money. Well, you're, uh, you're advertising for me. This is what I love to hear. That's all we do. We are an outsourced QA shop. So... I agree. And I, the funny That's thing right. is that I used to shy away, you know, as you, and we'll maybe dig into this a little bit on your side too, but when, as I matured my ability to sell, I stopped shying away from things that I shied away from earlier in my sales career, right? Because people would go, well, we just want a full-time QA person. We want a full-time QA staff. And I would used to go, okay, thank you very much. You know, have a nice day. But now I go, no, you don't. Right. And I have my list of reasons why they don't just kind of some of the ones you just laid out. And this is, you know, why it's probably better to hire a fractional QA team or augmented outsourced QA team like us. So how, so tell me a little bit, you spun back out into consulting. Who is your first consulting client after you jump back out of the, the corporate world? My you first consulting. Name name. Oh, no, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely won't name names, but hey, you want names, you go on my website. You see all the names <laughs> of the companies. That's it's not really a secret, right? They're all happy customers. So. I hope so. Well, pretty sure they're all happy customers. So no one's called to complain <laughs> so far. <laughs> um, so my first customer, um, I was trying to figure out this whole fractional CTO business and I'm like, okay, is it all about development? Okay. So I got a development client and I'm hacking away for months and months and months. And I'm like, nah, man, this is not it. You gotta be way higher level than that. Right. And so I started moving into the, into the executive realm of the fractional CTO into the executive realm, into strategy, tactics. And I said, I will not touch code. I should not be touching code. And the reason why I say this is because I leverage my clients' teams to do. And as soon as I made that shift in the package, in the product, it is a product, even though it's a service, it's a product, right? As soon as I made that shift, people started resonating with that. They, it made sense to them. Like, okay, so you come in, you train my people, yeah? I train your people and then you leave. Yeah, I leave. And then I stick around lurking on Slack if there's any questions. And you pay me a tiny little retainer just to, to lurk around, right? And so they get the technical leadership they need. They don't spend three, four hundred thousand, five hundred thousand dollars a year you would need on a full time CTO. Well, you know, that's a pretty interesting one. No equity, mm -hmm. no nothing. And from that point on, my real clients came to me within a few, within six months of starting my, my practice. And I realized that they don't, so sorry. After that, I started signing some clients, fractional CTO, but on an hourly basis, right? I work an hour, you pay me an hour and so on and so forth. And I invoice you and whatnot. 
But what I realized was that, what I realized was that when you sell yourself on a per hour basis, your clients value you by the hour. And I started getting questions like, can you do this in under five hours? How much is it going to cost if you come to the offsite? How much is it going to cost if you're going to coach my people? And I'm like, this is not the way to work. What do you mean right. by the hour? Because the reality is you literally cannot pay me enough for my advice. You could pay me $100,000 for an hour of my time, still not enough. Because I will position you and point you in the, in the direction early enough to avoid hundreds of problems, hundreds of mistakes. So, so, so I migrate, I changed the product again, changed it to a retainer model. You pay me once per month, either it's one hour or two hours per day, but I'm always available, WhatsApp, Slack, you know, you're always connected. I got to watch, client needs me, boom, sends me a message on WhatsApp. I pick up the phone and I call him right away, right? I'm on Slack. I take care of the entire team. And yeah, I can do it in two hours a day, even less. Because when you believe that people are smart, humans are smart, they can learn if guided properly and they want to learn if guided properly, you can make absolute miracles. I believe that the people working for my clients are smart. The ones who are not will be filtered out rather quickly. They'll be, boom, immediately, they'll be filtered quickly. And so that, from that point on, that's when my business just into the stratosphere, just nuts. I think I had eight months of 12 hour days, including Sundays. I had only one day off and I was comatose on that day and I still needed to be a father. Right. 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 That's so. also a, a tough part to mix in. Yeah. So how are you targeting your clients today? What, are you, what, what methods are you using to find them, reach out to them? I mean, you've built this kind of successful consulting practice. You mm -hmm. switch your, you know, a model around that will kind of self-weed out some less than great prospects just in the discovery process, I would imagine. How are you getting new clients today? They find me. So they find me. I don't shut up on LinkedIn. Have you noticed? No, you haven't noticed. I have you. noticed you have a great presence. I was actually going to bring that up, and that may, it's probably something to, to touch on, but that's a great... Is that scheduled, by the way, or is it just whenever you no. fire it off? No, just fire it I, off. Whenever I, you know, my ADD dyslexic brain kicks into a, into high gear and I make a connection between this problem and that problem, I'm like, oh, that's a good problem to talk about. I stop what I'm doing literally in the middle of doing whatever it is. Whoa, I'm type something up because otherwise I'll lose it. I used to do scheduled posts. I used to, and I found that I was disconnected from the content. And so when people were commenting on it, I'm like, what are you commenting on? What the hell did I say? I, no, I don't remember. <laughs> I scheduled it a month ago. I don't remember. Right. So my, my personal engagement wasn't really there. And, and people kind of feel, you know, your, your, your network feels it when it's a scheduled post. It, it's out of context with the times and whatnot. So, you know, I make a post, I answer it. I start commenting on it and so on and so forth. And. People have gravitated towards that. And I that's mean, how I, you get a lot of, you get a lot of inbound leads through this? Through 100% of all my leads, 100% of all my leads called me saying, I want to hire you because I've seen you on LinkedIn. Wow. I've applied some of the advice you're freely giving out. 50% of the sale is done on the first call when we say hello. They want me. They contacted me. So this is fantastic. This is great. Yeah, so that's ideal, you know, yeah, that's the ideal part. And then after that, it's just 
trying to convert them, which is not that complicated, to be honest. Because once they want you, it's really, it's yours to lose. Right. And that's mainly cultivated just by your LinkedIn posts. Just by my LinkedIn posts. Now that I've been in business for a year, made a very good, decent amount of money, and I have runway to invest in marketing, I'm going to be doing a, a full Google and LinkedIn-based ad campaign, right, for all the services that I offer and just going absolutely wild on that because I'm building an agency. Now that I did it, I did Fractional CTO on my own for about 18 months now, tracking 20 months, I'm going to be moving forward towards an agency model now because it's just, you, can't, you can only do so much work. If I was busy 10 months out of the year, because I'll take, I, I've told myself I take two months off in the summer, straight up, I can do that. Why not? <laughs> Otherwise, what's the point of doing all? What's the point of doing what we're doing? Right. Why not just get a job, right? Yep. <laughs> That's it. Yep. So ten, if I did, you know, if I worked full time, 10 months out of the year without, you know, like without 40 hours a week, this is an easy three quarters of a million dollar business for one person. That's yeah. the reality. Because I service so many people. I can handle 10 clients at a time. So what does the switch to an agency look like for you? Get those leads in coming like crazy. I need deal flow. I need lead a lead pipeline. Just got to build that up first. I can't build the agency and just wait. So I have to invest close to 20 to 30, maybe $40,000 a month on marketing. Get those leads in and then work out which leads are, are the ones that we want to target. Which ones we, which ones are the most compatible with the service and then adjust the marketing. So I, I get more of the good leads, less of the bad leads, obviously that takes about three to four months to really learn, to properly learn and understand. It takes that much time. Yeah, no, I agree. All right. Last question, non-business related. If you knew you could do anything on earth and you knew you couldn't fail, what would it be? Farming. Farming, such a quick answer. You must have farmer. farming on the brain 24 yes. hours a day, if that's yes. your answer. Farming. Yes, yes. Please indulge me. Work with uh, the land, work with my hands, put some music on, take care of my plants, take care of some animals, and then go home in the afternoon when it's too hot and build some other software. <laughs> Drink lemonade I, I, on your front porch. of your. That's it. And have a slow life. Wow. That's all I care about. I don't care to work 40 hours a week. I don't want to. I want to build something. I want to potentially maybe sell it, but I want a quiet life. That's it. I How much that. money does one person make, need really, to be honest? I know. At some point you realize it's sort of about giving back. And, and like you said, that family slow life is, is beautiful. Nobody's ever said farming, by the way. So that's a great first answer. I love that. All right. Ashri, people trying to find you, I know that they can find you on LinkedIn. Where else can they find you? What else are you, whatever else you have going on? My website, ashricohen.me. That's it. Uh, you send me an email, I'll respond within a few hours, usually, or within a day if the email doesn't get lost in my other emails. Yes. It happens. Uh, it does happen. All right. So we'll, we'll have people email you. We'll link your, your LinkedIn profile in the show notes. Ashri, you're fantastic, brother. I really appreciate you and uh, have a good rest of your week. We'll talk to you soon, okay? Thank you. Have a good one. Thanks, Ashri. See you.